0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Well, hey everybody! Welcome to another episode, official podcast of Fan Sighted's Red Redbird Rants. I'm Michael Miles, co-editor of Redbird Rants. You can find us at redbirdrants.com. Joined tonight by Tito Rivera, co-editor of Redbird Rants, and Josh McDonald, a contributor number two in the rankings based on views of our writers, Josh McDonald beating out the co-editor, Tito, and here we are in our rematch of the cage match of all cage match of all Redbird Rants writers. Tito, Josh, how you guys doing?
0: I'm great. I am ready to do this. Me and Tito haven't been on a show, just me and him, in a little while, so I'm sure there's some pent-up aggression there. I'm doing great.
2: I'm I'm coming off vacation from Colorado. I'm uh, well-rested,
1: and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Tito, I imagine you probably feel pretty good now that you get down to some air that has some pretty good quality and some thickness to it.
2: Yeah, I'm breathing a lot easier.
1: (laughs) And Josh, just out of curiosity, have those uh, scary church clowns come by your house yet?
0: um no thankfully that that was that's a real concern to be honest if if i see one i'm moving that's not a joke yeah well i'm right there with you so i
1: can't say that i blame you at all okay so let's dive in you guys we've got a lot to cover and thankfully we have an hour to do it so, if you have not ever joined us before, thanks for joining tonight. As I said earlier, this is the official podcast of Redbird Rants. We do a podcast on Monday nights and a podcast on Thursday nights. We've got great writers who join us, so please don't, don't miss out. There's always an article written about the podcast, and you can find us on iTunes as well. So, let's dive in, guys. Let's first talk about the most recent St. Louis Cardinals trade, the one that sent Marco Gonzalez— away and got Tyler O'Neal back. I'll start with you, Tito. Talk to me about Marco Gonzalez, if you would.
2: You know, he's a, he's a young pitcher who is coming off of Tommy John surgery last year. You know, when he broke in into the uh, big leagues in 2014, you know, he he was able to go 4-2, you know, with a 4.15 ERA, and, you know, that 415 ERA is probably more due to, you know, lack of experience in the big leagues. And then, you know, in 2015, he came back and uh, started the game and, and didn't fare so well. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, you know, last year he had Tommy John surgery. But this guy is a crafty lefty. He doesn't overpower you with stuff. He uh, focuses more on location. Um, and, and that's probably the most important Thing that he could do given uh, the nature of, uh, of not having an overpowering fastball. Um, as far as, as attitude-wise, Marco Gonzalez was also a really good positive attitude on the team. Um, I'm sure he was disappointed that he missed all of last year uh, with Tommy John surgery. But, I mean, look at the numbers that he put up in the minor leagues, you know, just this last these last couple weeks. He's been doing great. And, you know, if there was ever a time to trade – a player, uh, this would have been the time because he he, uh, went out and had a good uh, nine-start stretch where he's probably the best pitcher in the minor leagues for the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, fortunately for the Cardinals, they were able to go out and make a trade because of the pitching depth that they have. And uh, that's that's just kind of where we find ourselves.
1: Yeah, I have to tell you that I was a huge fan of Marco Gonzalez as he was coming up thought he had a really great bright future ahead of him but I don't want to steal any of your thunder Josh so will you tell us your thoughts on Marco Gonzalez before we even move into the trade at all just what what do you think about that crafty young lefty
0: Marco Gonzalez came to the team at a time when it looked like they had a pattern when they were drafting it was with their first two picks take uh, a high floor guy who wasn't going to cost a lot and then Save the, the money you save on them, take it into your next pick, and spend that on a guy that's high upside. And another another one of those guys was Michael Waka. And Fortunately for the Cardinals, Waka has worked out great. Gonzalez, outside of his ten games uh, that he appeared in in 2014, never really got the opportunity uh, in St. Louis. He got one game this year, which was uh, putrid to say the least, he only lasted two and two thirds. I don't know that he could have ever been the the guy for this team, and not even to say he was gonna be a top line pitcher, but even a four or five guy. He could have maybe developed in that if they gave him more time, but he had the injury hurt him. If he didn't have the setbacks that he had, um, I think that you could have seen him have a better shot, but with when he missed all that time, other guys jumped him. Now Luke you saw Luke Weaver and Alex Reyes before him and now you see uh Jack Flaherty jumping up and Dakota Hudson's right behind. This is this is a something that the team has a lot of ability to move around guys with because they're so overloaded with pitching prospects and that is a very good problem to have. I always I always had high hopes for Marco. I think that he is exactly as Tio said, he seemed to always have a good attitude. But He never had that dominating pitch, really, that you would hope to see from a guy. He had a solid curveball, but he never had that pitch that we were like, yeah, this guy's going to be able to do it. But I hope the best for him in Seattle. I think that that's a a team that's desperately needing some pitching, so he might be able to make a name for himself there.
2: I think it's also important to point out, um, kind of of alluding to what Josh was saying, is that you know, when he was drafted, you know, there were really only – there weren't that many pitching prospects in the Cardinals' farm system at the time that he was drafted. So, you know, a lot of us were looking at him as, you know, maybe he was the next big thing uh, for pitching. And, you know, we don't have any left-handers in the rotation. Uh, There aren't that many left-handers in the Cardinals' farm system, you know. Um, So he was looked at as as possibly somebody that – uh, could be the left-handed pitcher that the Cardinals needed, but again, as Josh and I have both said, the lack of overpowering of an overpowering fastball, uh, you know, not that many quality pitches. He has good pitches, but the lack of quality pitches really has hurt him. And uh, and again, like I said, that's that's just kind of where we where we find ourselves tonight with him being in Seattle and and, uh, and not in St. Louis.
1: You know, you talk about his pitches, and I'm, I'm really interested in what you guys thought about his curveball because that seemed to have been his bread-and-butter pitch.
2: Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think his changeup is better. Um, I, tend, tend to, uh, lefties tend to have a better curveball than than most uh, right-handers or anything like that, but I thought his changeup was actually, actually his best pitch. It had a downward uh, sinking action to it. Um, so it could easily fool left-handers and right-handers. His curveball, you know, again, when it's a lefty versus lefty matchup, that's very tough. I mean, look at what K- Clayton Kershaw can do with his curveball, um, and so his his ability to uh, make hitters miss with his curveball was was really that's nice. nice. Um, but again, I'll, I'll just go back to it. You can't throw your curveball every single time because eventually it's going to be slow enough for somebody to hit it, or you'll uh, you'll throw a hanger. And him not having a fastball that can that can really be deceptive to hitters uh, once he gets his curveball going, um, it, it just really hurt him. So yeah, while it's a good pitch, it, it just it, it's only one pitch, and so just having one quality pitch won't do it.
1: Josh, what do you think about that curveball or the changeup? Because I agree, the changeup was a
0: great pitch. I think that that was along the pattern as well with those college guys that they were taking. It was always the, they had the good, the good secondary pitches. They weren't, they weren't flamethrowers. And I think they hoped that he would, he would be able to be a really solid game manager with it. And if you look at his, his minor league stats, he was impressive, especially this season. He's, he had posted a 2.90 ERA in, in Memphis. That's, Mm -hmm. that's impressive. But I, he just didn't – when you have a guy that you're relying on them to have a killer curveball or a killer changeup, they have to – that has to rate out at a, like a 70 or an 80 when you want the, that to be their pitch. They can't – unless they're going to bring a really solid secondary pitch to that, they're not going to be able to be much more than even a bullpen pitcher. you got to have three solid pitches – to really be an effective starter in the majors anymore.
2: Right. And, and having a change-up, which is a slow pitch, uh, you know, paired with another slow pitch and a curveball, it's it's not a recipe for success in the major leagues. And, and, yeah, as Josh pointed out and I did too, you know, he had started, you know, finding a groove in the minor leagues this year But again, if – if he's able to develop a fastball consistent enough in the 92, 93, maybe even 94, then you'll really see uh, some great leaps for him. But his fastball is pretty much consistently, you know, 89, 90. And, you know, you could almost talk about, you know, know, they would say Greg Greg Maddox was the the ultimate pitch locator. Well, that's what uh, Marco Gonzalez has to be for him to win baseball games or for him to have quality starts. And as Josh pointed out, there's just too many names behind him that are better, that are younger and better. And so, you know, he's just an expendable piece. And I, you know, again, we'll get into this in a little bit, but the Cardinals made the right move.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you. I do think they made the right move. Uh, and I'm just trying to buy us a little bit of time. We've got a special guest joining us shortly. So, guys, I'm going to ask you to to be fortune tellers for a bit. Look ahead. How is Marco Gonzalez going to fit into the Mariners organization? Let's start with you, Josh. What's your gut tell you about him going into the Mariners?
0: The Mariners are in a bad place when it comes to pitching, and I think that's what led to uh, this whole trade coming about. I think that he could be a solid four or five guy for, for them just based on the depth that they have, because they have, they have injury concerns, um and they're not and Felix Hernandez has been better but he hasn't been the guy that he once was Paxton looks good but after that it's kind of a hodgepodge of guys that have been hot and then fall off Miranda looks really good for a while but he's come back to earth uh they didn't even get uh what any time out of the I can't I'm blanking on the name the pitcher they got from the from the Rays he isn't even going to pitch a single game for them, most likely. So, Pitching is always a good thing to have depth for. The Mariners did not have that, so we'll see. I think that if there was a team that he was going to gonna be successful on, that's definitely one of them. Okay,
1: Tito, hold off on your thought, because we were just sure. joined by our special guest for this episode, and it gives me really great pleasure to welcome to the official Redbird Rents podcast – Colby Patnode. Am I saying the name right, Colby?
3: Yeah, that's right.
1: Hey, well, welcome. So Colby is joining us. Colby's 25 year, years old, lives in Yakima, Washington. He has written about prospects and the MLB draft for SodoMojo.com since about December. He's a huge Mariners fan, been a fan of theirs for about 15 years. He's a friend of Nathan Grime, Nathan a regular on our podcast. And Nathan had spoken with him when this trade was announced. And uh, Colby's joining us now to give us a scouting report on Tyler O'Neill. And so what I'd like for you to do, Colby, if you don't mind, is just give us your scouting report. And, guys, I'm going to open the table for you guys to jump in and ask a couple of questions. I'm going to step out for just a second and let you guys have the table. So, Colby, I'm excited to hear your scouting report. Welcome to the official podcast of Redbird
3: Rants. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, when it comes to Tyler O'Neill, I think, uh I think what Cardinal fans are going to be very happy about obviously, is his raw power. Uh, this is a guy who is going to hit 25 to 30 home runs, um, and he's also not your typical power hitter. He uh, he, has, he can hit for a little bit of average. He has a solid approach at the plate. Um, he's not going to hit 300, uh, but he's going to be a solid 270 hitter. He's going to have a 330 on base. Um, he's probably going to uh, slug around 450 with some solid average defense out in the corner. He's got a good arm. Uh, he's a little bit faster than most people think. He'll steal, you know, 10 bases in a year, uh, give you a little bit of value there on the base path. And he is just, he's an exceptional guy. Uh, He's really fun to watch. I've gotten to see him take batting practice a few times. Uh, He puts on a show. And, uh, you know, numbers aside and skills aside, the the guy really works hard at his craft. This is a guy who was a fringe prospect about uh, going into early 2015. He was kind of maybe he'll develop into something. Uh, he went away to the Pan Am Games to play for Team Canada, and he came back, and he started crushing the baseball uh, at high A. Ball. he uh, They sent him to Double A last year where he was the league MVP. He won the Triple Crown. And after an adjustment period starting in AAA this year, he has just absolutely turned it on. This is a guy who knows baseball. Uh, he's very smart. He makes adjustments. Uh, he'll strike out a little bit, but he'll also take walks. He's just a very solid average player across the board with plus power. And that's what you're getting from Tyler O'Neal. Colby, I um
0: I had been doing reading a lot about Tyler lately because this was kind of an interesting trade to me. Uh do you I everything I've read about Tyler O'Neal is people raving about his potential and I I had heard actually that people really underestimate his speed with the size with his size Um, and the power's clearly there, do you think that it was more along the lines of the Mariners not being patient enough or the pitching need being that desperate that they made this deal?
3: Right. Um, I don't think it was a patience issue. I think this was more of a case of the Mariners really need starting pitching and what they really need is controllable starting pitching. Um, You guys were talking about it earlier. James Paxton has been great. He's one of the uh, more underrated left-handed pitchers in baseball. Uh, he's got fantastic stuff. But Felix Hernandez is not what he was a few years ago. Um, you know, they never got the—they never got a single start from Drew Smiley, which is unfortunate because uh, I think if Smiley was healthy, the Mariners don't make this trade. So fortunate for you guys, <laughs> unfortunate for us up here in Seattle. But I think it is more about uh, you know. The general manager Jerry DePoto uh, wanted what he wants, which was a controllable starting pitcher. Uh, this regime did not draft Tyler O'Neill. They, uh, they kind of held him up as their patron saint of look what we can develop. Um, because, as any Mariner fan will tell you, they've had some very bad luck developing uh, position players in particular. You look at guys like Dustin Ackley and Jesus Montero, even Justin Smoke, who's fantastic this year but before was uh he was he was bad and so uh they kind of looked at this and they said hey look what we can do we're different from the other group but uh, at the same time it's a very thin farm system tyler o'neill is one of their best chips and it's extremely hard to trade for controllable starting pitching at the trade deadline so i think this was more a case of uh the mariners really wanting a starting pitcher and uh just unfortunately they don't have really the, the players to go out and get somebody that uh, has pitched in the big leagues, like a Sonny Gray or like a Chris Archer or whatever. So I think this was a lot more about the Mariners. Just really, it, it felt a little desperate, to be honest, when I first saw it. Um, I've learned a little bit more about Margo Gonzalez, and I think it'll end up being a, a more fair trade. But uh, this is definitely the Cardinals taking advantage of a team that uh, – is desperate for pitching help in the in the uh, wild card race in the American League.
2: Hey, Colby, this is uh, Tito. I, I'm, you know, I was very interested in this trade myself, and I actually, uh, you know, kind of looked at some of the reaction, uh, you know, from from the Seattle, you know, media. And I want I want to read you this quote that I got from uh, Larry Stone from Seattle Times. He said. But here's what it looks like now. The Mariners use one of their precious trade chips in O'Neill to get a pitcher who's coming off Tommy John surgery. The cost them all of twenty sixteen, as well as shoulder issues in twenty fifteen, provide the Mariners immediate rotation help for the stretch drive. While I agree that Marco, Marco Gonzalez probably isn't gonna give them any time right now, the way I'm reading this is that the reaction isn't uh, is not positive, that it's actually just really negative and that they have no faith in Gonzales. Gonzalez. Is that what you're seeing
3: too? Uh well, you know, to kind of uh to kinda of understand Mariner's fandom you have to at Mariner's Twitter really. You have to understand <laughs> that uh, this is kind of uh this is kind of a new thing. Seattle is pretty much you know, in the mid two thousands we were all hyped about our farm system. We acquired Justin Smoke, we acquired Jesus Montero we we drafted Dustin Ackley, and really the best player that came out of that era was Kyle Seager, who is you know a borderline all star, but he's not he's not by any means a superstar like we thought we were going to have. So the Mariners Mariners fans have become very attached to uh, their prospects. Um, I'm not okay. quite sure why, to be honest with you, but uh, you know there was there's a report out there today that the Mariners might get in on the Sonny Gray type of thing. And I'm here to tell you the Mariners Twitter is throwing a fit that they'll have to give up, you know, Kyle Lewis and a few of our other few prospects that we have. So this is kind of a weird fan base. We like the guys that we think are our own. So I, I don't know, I don't know what the issue here is. I, the issue is, is that they love Tyler O'Neill. He really is. He's a fantastic, uh, he's a fantastic athlete. Um, he was kind of, and he was one of ours. You know, we drafted him, we developed him, and now when he's just barely on the cusp of uh, coming up to the big club, they trade him away for you know. The Mariners' Twitter seeing this is Jerry Depoto trading, you know, a dollar for eighty cents, and it it might be, but this is something that Jerry Depoto has done in the past. It's not, he was willing to go out and he'll make a deal, even if he doesn't think he's getting full value, he'll make a deal because he wants what he wants, and he's going to go out and get it. And as you might imagine, that doesn't play well with a lot of fans.
2: Sure. And I'll, I'll be very, very frank and very honest about this. I think this is a steal for the Cardinals. I, Josh, I'm sure you probably feel the same way, but I, I, I truly think this is an absolute steal. Uh, a 25-year-old pitcher, again, as, you know, Mr. Stone said, coming off of Tommy John's surgery for – a guy that's 22 years old who immediately comes into the Cardinals farm system as the number four prospect, that to me is an absolute steal. And, and that and that's crazy because the Cardinals have off-fielding prospects. They're good. And so mm-hmm. to, for him to come in and be the number four one, that, that, again, that just screams steal. Josh, what do you think?
0: I think uh, with the depth of starting pitching that we had, uh, I think that that I I want to agree with the steel. I think that what I really see out of this is another move. We'll see if that actually happens, but I have to like I have to say losing Marco Gonzalez to get a guy with this much upside from what I've been reading is definitely
3: an exciting possibility. Right. Uh the uh, I certainly I don't disagree with you guys. So one thing about the Mariners is where they do have a little bit of depth. So They do have some pretty decent outfield depth. Mitch Haniger has come up. Uh, you know he's sure. not he's not an all star, but he's got an 830 OPS. He's hitting 270. He plays good defense. Ben Gamble has kind of come out of nowhere. He's hitting 320 right now. Um, you know he's played some solid defense himself. They had Gerard Dyson. Who is a nice you know a nice outfielder? they have Guillermo already who can really go and get it? And they have Kyle Lewis and Eaton Miller in the farm system, who are two guys they are very high on what they don't have is pitching depth, and i you know I agree. I think the Cardinals took advantage of that. I think they probably could I think the Mariners could have gotten a little bit more for Tyler O'Neill, but the market is what it is, and the Mariners are basically saying we trust we believe in our young outfielders, and uh, we need pitching. So uh, I think. I agree with you guys. I think this is a very good deal because I know the Cardinals have some very good young pitching. Um Reyes isn't even throwing this year and he, you know, he's one of the best prospects in baseball. You know, Carlos Martinez is young and he's exciting and he's great. Michael Walker is great. So, I mean, there's all these guys that you have flattery. He's great. And so, you know, there's all these prospects that are sitting there and uh you know, they have a guy to deal with that the Mariners want. The Mariners have a little bit of depth in the outfield. And uh, they decide that they're going to act on that. So I think you guys are right, but I do also think that this is a case where the Mariners look at their farm system and say, "What's our biggest strength? Probably outfield. So let's go and try and deal from that." And I have to believe that if Tyler O'Neill was shopped, he was shopped to multiple teams. But they they really like Gonzalez. I know that. So if this is what they wanted to do. It's it's what they did, but uh, I certainly don't disagree with you guys. That I think the Cardinals are going to end up with the better end of this particular trade.
2: Let me ask you this follow-up question, then. I know you mentioned controllable pitching, and that's that's the most important thing, and I completely agree. The Mariners' rotation and the Mariners in general need the pitching because Felix Hernandez isn't going to be Felix Hernandez for the rest of his life. You know that he's going to go away. He's getting older. Um, would would the Mariners consider, let's say Lance Lynn comes on the market, would the Mariners consider somebody like
3: him? Uh, I'm sure they would. Uh, it's a question of cost. Lance Lynn is a free sure. agent after this year, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. one, thing yeah. that, one thing that Jerry DePoto has been very clear about is that he is not interested in rental players. Now, you look at what's happened with some of the rentals that have been traded, and you look at the return, for example, the J.D. Martinez trade, that was a pretty light return for an all-star hitter. Um, So if the price drops, he'll certainly, I'm sure he's certainly listening, um, but he's not going to trade away Tyler O'Neill or Nick Nieder. He's not going to trade away those, those guys he has, but if Lance Lynn is available, absolutely. I'm sure Jerry DiPoto is interested. And you know, the thing about DiPoto is he's not afraid to trade off of his major league roster. uh, If he feels like he can get a player that'll help more than the one he's given away. So uh, if Lance Lynn becomes available, I'm I'm quite sure that Jerry Depoto will at least snick, you know, will at least uh, sniff around it. Uh, whether or not he goes the rental route, I don't know. I wish he would, um, just because it seems like that's where the best bargains are. But Lance Lynn is certainly the type of pitcher that, that Jerry Depoto has uh, really liked in the past, and I think he would be very interested if the price was right.
1: Well, Colby, I want to thank you for coming on and joining us and bringing us the scouting report, having you be able to step in and tell us more about Tyler O'Neill and field some of these questions from two of our guys who really rip each other apart, and they were so kind <laughs> to you. So uh, just want to say thank you, a huge thank you, and a big thank you to Nathan for helping to arrange it. Please uh, stay with us if you if stay on the line. You can continue to listen to us. If you've got other better things to do, we certainly understand, but catch the podcast when it goes live on iTunes and everything tomorrow.
3: Awesome. Thanks, I will. Kobe. Yeah. Hey, uh, one real fast story. I think you guys might love here. Uh, this just kind of yeah. goes to the attitude of Tyler O'Neill. Um, two years ago, the Mariners do this thing called fan fest. I'm sure the Cardinals do something similar a uh, mm-hmm. few weeks before spring training. They open up state co-field, and they invite players and some of the top prospects to come and speak to the fans and all that stuff. Uh, Tyler O'Neill was giving an interview and, uh, with Aaron Goldsmith, who is the, uh, the radio broadcaster up here in Seattle. And Aaron Goldsmith went ahead and he, he complimented Tyler O'Neill's speaking voice. He said, you have got a great set of pipes. Tyler O'Neill responded with, yeah, and you should see me with my shirt off. This is a guy who's ripped... He's got a very bro mentality. He he talks like he's straight out of college frat, uh, but he's awesome. Like I said, he's a great person. Um, but he is he he's he's got a lot of confidence. It borders on cocky sometimes, but I think you guys are absolutely going to love him. So uh, enjoy Tyler O'Neill, guys. He's a great guy. Well, Colby, thank Thanks, you Colby. again. Thanks for joining us. Yep, no problem, guys.
1: All right, guys. That was really incredible. I am really glad that we had that opportunity for him to step in here and fill us in a bit on this prospect that the Cardinals picked up, who, as you guys know, came in and made a huge splash. Uh, has picked up a couple of RBIs. In fact, picked up one, I believe, tonight and then um, Alem Díaz came in behind him and hit a two-run home run. So, I mean, what a great pickup. Just quickly, what i like to do is go to Josh first and then to you, Tito. Give us just one, two sentences of your reaction to this trade overall, and then we're going to take a commercial break. so straight with you josh
0: i'm I'm thoroughly excited about this trade because I think it gave us uh, just another piece, and I actually saw something on Twitter right after the trade that only two players have ever gotten a seventy out of seventy for raw power on fan graphs, Aaron judge and Tyler O'Neill. That is some very good company to be in for Tyler O'Neill.
2: I think when it comes to Tyler O'Neal – oh, sorry. I was going to say, when it comes to Tyler O'Neill in this trade, my first reaction is, is is a big question, Mark. What's the plan? The Cardinals have outfielding options in their minor league system. Um, I understand this guy has raw power, and that's great. And, you know, Josh's stat is, is phenomenal, actually. But what's the plan? Is this another piece? or a bigger trade down the road? Or is this guy actually going to be a St. Louis Cardinal member? And and I think that's what the question needs to be answered and I think will be answered uh, come next next Monday.
1: Yeah, wonderful. So let's do this, guys. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Cubs series that just was. We'll talk about the Rockies series that kicked off tonight and then we'll talk about the Diamondback series that follows. So stay with us. You're listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode 16 here on Blog Talk Radio. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm Michael Miles, co-editor at Redbird Rants, joined by my co-editor, Tito Rivera, and one of our great contributors, Josh McDonald. As we teased before the break, we're now going to talk about a couple of the series that the Cardinals are facing. They just came limping, out of Wrigley Field. Guys, we are going to talk about that. But then it looks like we're really finding our way tonight, facing the Rockies, starting one of three. Then we've got a four-game set with the Diamondbacks. I'm going to toss it first to – let's see. Let's go to Josh first. Josh, talk to me about
0: the Cubs series, the Rockies series and the Diamondbacks series. Starting with the Cubs series, I mean – I'm not sure how many more of these games I can handle. These should have won, but somehow the bullpen finds a way to lose games. I mean, I don't think too many people would disagree that we we really could have swept this weekend, and we could have been on a completely different path. I don't – I mean, that that Friday afternoon game where they put up nine runs in an inning – that was some fun stuff. That's that's Cardinal baseball that I miss. And to follow that up with two games that we just let slip out from under us, which could have changed the landscape of the Central, that hurt. There's no two ways about it. That one hurt. I hope that we can get back on a winning streak as we just see the Cardinals just finished off a win tonight against the Rockies 8-2 victory, which is wonderful, but that that was a game changer, that series. It's good that they won one because if they would have gotten swept, I I think that Cardinal Nation would have gone into a meltdown mode, but that could, that should have been two and could have easily been three. Looking into the Rockies, this, is, this, this stretch of baseball is tough. We're going Cubs, Rockies, Diamondbacks. These are all, at least two of them are looking like legitimate playoff teams, and then the Cubs are right there with the Brewers and look like they're on their way to taking over the central. Uh, these, we are in probably the toughest stretch of baseball this team has faced. And when did tonight tonight is great against the Rockies, if they can do something with it over the next six games, I think that we're looking at a very interesting day next Monday, but this team does not have the bullpen clearly to, uh, to win these games because the stats when you look at the bullpen, they have cost this team so much. We should easily be in first place if we had just even an average bullpen. I I'm excited to see what they can do against two of the two of the teams from the West because the NL West is a phenomenal division this year. So winning games against them is is going to be a real confidence boost. And the Rockies are not exactly. Uh, Stacks with pitching, so I think this is a good opportunity for our uh, bats to take advantage. So, I'm looking forward to the next six games. Hopefully, we can put some Ws up. If not, I think we're looking at a pretty depressing uh, trade deadline on Monday. Okay, Tito, what, how are
1: you feeling after the Wrigley series and looking at tonight and moving on to the Diamondbacks? Yes,
2: yeah, sir. I, you know, I actually wrote a piece prior to the uh, Cubs-Cardinals series saying pretty much. The Cardinals had to go out and, and win at least two of these games, and I was really hoping that they would sweep. And, and, and as Josh mentioned, they probably should have. They probably should have swept all three uh, games, and it's really unfortunate that the Cardinals weren't able to do that thanks to their bullpen. And in my piece, I, you know, I pretty much said it's the final stand. This is where you show what kind of team you're going to be and i said if the cardinals didn't win you know this series that they were pretty much done um i'll, I'll retract a little bit and say that that was probably a little bit of, of an exaggeration but i actually you know i'm not too negative about how they played think of that nine run inning that they had on friday that was awesome as josh said i mean that's what you expect um and and it was great to see Cubs fans, you know, so high and mighty after they swept the uh, lowly Baltimore Orioles saying, oh, we're back. I mean, look at what Wilson Contreras said, that they're back to playing the kind of baseball they were playing last year. And then to, to give up nine runs in an inning? I'm sorry. that You know, teams that are world champions, they don't do that. Sure, they have bad games, but they don't give up nine runs in one inning. Uh, uh But the Cardinals really, you know, even though they lost this series, uh, and, and by loss, I mean they lost it. They actually played pretty good baseball throughout the weekend, and I and I will give them some kind of credit for being able to hang around. And yes, they didn't they didn't uh, win the series, and I understand that. But they're still in the thick of things. Yes, they're in fourth place, but they're still right there. They're actually you know uh, you know the same spot that they you know started out uh, the, the second half of the season. So that that's not too bad. And, and honestly, you showed that Jose Quintana, their, or their newest uh, acquisition, can be, is, not, is not bulletproof. So you know you can go out and score runs against him. That's going to be good ammunition, good confidence for the Cardinals later down when they play the Cubs again uh, later in the second half. So as far as the Rockies series, as Josh said, you know, it's great to get off to a good start. The Rockies have actually played, been playing a little bit better baseball. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They're playing a little bit better, but they're still, you know, 10 and a half games back of, of the Los Angeles Dodgers. As Josh said, they don't, their pitching isn't there. Um, one of their pitchers, Kyle Freeland, they're limiting his innings. So it's, it's going to be a struggle for the Rockies to, to get quality pitching, and, and Cardinals need to jump on it. And they did so today with an 8-2 win. As far as the Arizona Diamondbacks series, you showed that you can play with them in Arizona. Go out and do it again. You, and they, and honestly, and we've said it before, they should have swept that series, too. So I'm really looking forward to the Cardinals literally, you know, putting the uh, pedal down and saying, okay, let's go. Get some wins here. This is an opportunity to, you know, six games homestand to win at least four of these uh, uh, six games. And then you know what? I'm even looking a little bit further. I'm looking at the Milwaukee series right after that and thinking to myself, okay, you've got these six games against playoff teams, Use this as momentum to go into
0: Milwaukee where you historically played well and go kick some butt. I just want to slide in real quick. Since we're talking about the previous series and this series, there's a name I'd like to bring up. and nope. This nope. podcast has nope. been pretty civil to this point, and it's time nope. to change that.
2: No, nope.
0: The man, the myth, the legend, Randall Gritchuk, is on a tear. Four home runs in his last four games. I just, Tito, I know you're never going to say that he's good. I know you're never going to say he should be a Cardinal, that he doesn't go in the team. Give the man a little bit of credit right now for his four home runs because he was all, essentially almost all our offense in, this, in two games uh, with Paul DeYoung in two games against the Cubs. I think he deserves just a little bit of respect from you.
2: Yeah, John Lester's having a down season. So was Jose Quintana. So it's pretty easy to hit a lefty when they're having bad years. So uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Ouch!
0: You know, there's always. And I want it, to jump.
2: It's, uh, they, wait, and then <laughs> who, what kind of what kind of what kind of pitcher was what, who who do you hit a home run off of today?
0: How do you say S- it?
2: Right. What does he throw? Is he a lefty too? I'm
0: just saying, man. Four home runs in four games.
2: He's a, he's a lefty he's a lefty who is also having a bad year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's having a
1: good year. Yeah, four home runs. Good. Well, what I was going to say is, listen, I mean, I, I think the credit here is probably due to my good friend Mark Budoska, you know, the Buddha down in Memphis. I mean, he's the one there you who go.
2: Touched, there you go. touched
1: Wong, touched Wong, got him going, and touched Gritchick and got him going. And then, unfortunately, I mean, listen, I saw it on Twitter tonight. Someone said it's time to trade Gritchick while his value is high because next week he'll turn into the K-King again that we know he can. And, that's, that, you know, that's <laughs> kind of true. And I, I think you don't want to leave him with Mabry for too long because then he's not going to be the, the great one that Josh loved. He's, he's going to turn into the the Gritchick that Tito knows and the Gritchick that certainly I know. And
0: that's my biggest I... fear on that one. I just want to say no matter what Gritchick is on the field I'm gonna love him. Let's just make hey, sure hey, that's
2: hey, known. hey hey Josh, let me ask you this. When Gritchick got called back up uh, after his uh most recent triple layouting outing, the uh, wherever to go clear his head, how many games in, how many home runs did he hit in like his first like five games? Three was it? I believe so. And what did he do after that?
0: John maybe ruined him.
2: Oh oh for twenty five. Something like that. Enjoy that. Yeah, but I love it. I'm he just said glad
1: John Mabry ruined him. That you know, finally it's no. coming on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I there's I'm glad that Randall Grichuk was able to slide right into the role that Matt Holiday seemed to have for fans and the, that that hatred that I mean I think that Matt Holliday always always had some weird hatred against him for some pe- for a faction in St. Louis. I'm glad Grichuk can take the mantle and get the hate. I think we should move on
2: there, Dr. Miles (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say Let's let's do this
1: I want to reserve us plenty of time To talk about the trade deadline And I think I've given us A plenty big window for that So let's take one last break When we come back, we're going to look at the St. Louis Cardinals Where we stand right now Where we could stand in about seven to eight days And what might happen In the time between you are listening to the official Redbird Grants podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Stay with us. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us as we took that quick break. Before the break, we hinted that we are going to spend the last, oh, 16 minutes or so of this podcast talking about the impending trade deadline, July 31st, right around the corner. At this point, the big questions that are swirling around are whether or not the Cardinals will be buyers or sellers. And I really want to stick that out there and just have you guys bat that around and talk to me. First off, should the Cardinals be buyers or sellers? Let's feel just that question, and then I want us to circle back, and we're going to look at some things pretty specifically.
2: So, Tito, let's have you start. Buyers or sellers? Is it just those two options?
1: Absolutely not.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. Um this is tough. I think if you're going to ask me right now, I still think the Cardinals are in a position to buy and I'm going to say that based off of the last uh, couple of series that they've played. Yeah, and while they haven't won um all of their series or in any of their series that they've played so far, they've played really good baseball. Um sure, the bullpen has not been there. But that's that just should give you the Cardinals front office more reason to go out and get somebody that can, can that can do that. And I'm gonna say bye. I think they're they're on the cusp of of getting somebody that can really be a difference maker for the team. The, the big question is who? We hear all these rumors, we hear Donaldson, we hear Stanton Ozuna Yelich, but nobody has a clue. And that's probably designed by uh, uh, Mo and Gersh. But still, who is going to be that player that's going to really take them over the top? And honestly, is it just one player that can do that? It's more likely that the Cardinals will try and go get a couple pieces that they think can help make make a push for this year. But I think at the same time, they're also going to be concerned about their long-term future you know, next year, in the in a couple of years after that.
1: Okay, that was fair, Josh. Your turn. Buy or
0: sell or something in between. I feel like you did a lot of talking for one question. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm. You I'm do an awful lot of complaining
2: this. for one question.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty settled in on the uh, a combination of both. I think that this team needs to be looking towards competing, if not this year they need to be ready to go in 2018 and the roster they have right now is not set up for competing next season at at a high level. You're going to see a lot of the same things. So I think that moving a guy like Lynn, who isn't under contract next year, who can net you some prospects and return, I think is a really smart move. Uh, Unfortunately, I think the the two of our bullpen pieces that were talked about moving have kind of killed their value. Sung Wan Oh, at this point, might get you a bag of balls. They're going to be used, but he might get you a bag. And Trevor Rosenthal has been off and on, so it's hard to imagine there being much interest that way. But they do have to find pieces that are going to be under contract for at least next season that they can come out and be ready to compete going forward. Okay.
1: So let's do this a fun way. What I'd like to do is to roll through the Cardinals roster, and I'm going to go Tito, and then Josh. will go in that order, and I'd like for you to respond with either stay, sell, or trade. And after both Please of you answer, then we'll go. With... Let's start with Randall Grichik. <laughs> Tito,
2: sell. Josh, sell. <laughs> oh, interesting. No, uh, no. I don't feel good about this. No, Anything you say about Randall Grichuk from now on, Josh, I will. I'm going to record you saying still <laughs> so
0: that I can just Here's play the thing. that. I love it. No. Nope. Here's the thing. Go ahead, Josh. I love, I love Randall Grichuk, but I'm smarter than that to know that. His value is peaking, and if this team, I would much rather this team compete than Randall Grichuk be a Cardinal for the rest of his career because I cannot take many more years of what we've seen the last two years. And if if trading Randall Grichuk gets you someone that helps, do it. I think I handled that pretty well.
1: I thought you did very well,
3: very well. I'm reveling in
2: my glory right
1: now. I love it. I love it. Okay, so here's the next one. You ready? Tommy
2: Pham. Tito, I would sell after this
1: season. Keep, oh, Josh,
0: keep. Any even even if, even if any conversation, just a, even if he's just a fourth outfielder, I think he's really valuable off the bench. Um, I don't think the guys you have in AAA you're going to want to to be bench guys. And Tommy Pham might not like it, and he might do interviews, but. It, He's, he's shown he's valuable. If that, even if that's not as a starter, I'd be happy to keep him off, coming off the bench. I would agree with that. But at
2: the same time, you have
0: Harrison Bader,
2: Magner, Sierra, weight, and obviously Tyler O'Neill at this point. So no, no sense in keeping a 29-year-old going on 30 on your roster. selling while his value is high, just like Randall Gritchick.
1: All right, so here's another one. Um Stephen Piscotti. Tito.
0: Keith. Josh. Yeah. Keep. He's not having a good year. That's clear. That's clear. Um I think his mind is elsewhere with it with with his sick mother and I think he's had he's had some some rough injuries. I mean I think people kind of forget that the the torture he went through around the bases uh not too long ago. Um and then he's on the D L again. I think this might be a lost season for him. Hopefully when he comes off the deal, he can come out firing, but I think his, his contract is far too nice and his upside is still there. Yeah. I think Piscotty, you know, one thing
2: that people forget that, uh, that is easily overlooked sometimes is that the Cardinals signed him to a long term contract. They're not, he's not going anywhere. So whether we think he should be kept or, or sold, um, He's not going anywhere because the Cardinals have, think they have their guy in Stephen Piscotty, and if they go out and acquire Mike, uh, Mike son John Carlos San, Piscotty is going to have to learn to play left field, and that's just how it's going to go. Okay,
1: let's stick in the outfield for one more, and let's talk about Dexter Fowler, Tito, Keith.
0: God. Yeah, keep that keep him. I mean, he hasn't been what we've wanted to this point, but I think that the best is yet to come for him and his contract isn't exactly friendly in any sort of trade. Right. Yeah, I and, agree and in I'm fact, fine. I think sorry.
1: I said I agree. I think he's the fielding equivalent of Mike Leake. Who, when Mike Leake came over, he was not what we had wanted, but we see he has now developed into what we thought we were buying. Go ahead, Tito.
0: I was I was going
2: to say, you know, the the hardest part about Dexter Fowler is everybody's on him about his defense and, and whether or not he should be the center fielder. I, again, if you put Feelings aside, Dexter Fowler knows center field. That's where he's most comfortable. And if he thinks he can play the best center field, and that's better than left field or right field, people need to get over it. It's not about whether Tommy Sam is better at center field. If Dexter Fowler is worse at left field and right field than he is at center field, you're essentially eliminating Dexter Fowler as an entire player. And you're no better off than, well, you know, you're pretty much saying, oh, Matt Adams, go, go play left field. So, if, if Dexter Fowler thinks he is a better center fielder, then that's where he needs to play. I understand that it's not a popular opinion, but give me a break. <laughs> that's, what he, that's what the Cardinals intend him to do, and that's what he's going to be playing. There is no going to be center field for Tommy Sam unless Dexter Fowler hurt.
1: I think it's a very fair point, so let's move to the infield and let's start with matt carpenter, Tito oh
2: gosh <laughs> you you have to keep him. I would say you keep him yeah i'm not gonna I won't go into detail unless Josh says so interesting. I
1: didn't no. think you would say that all right josh
0: i unfortunately, there's not going to be much debate here. I gotta say keep too because. I don't think with the where where the market is uh at this point um that we're going to see a return that we would like to see coming from him. Clearly the um the Boston Red Sox just called up Rafael Devers because they couldn't they didn't want to pay the price for a third baseman. So if a team that was in that big of a need for a position like that isn't going to put out what teams are wanting then who is going to put put out that kind of a return for a guy like Matt Carpenter?
2: The best case scenario for Matt Carpenter would be that the Yankees come calling for a left-handed hitter and a left-handed first base, left-handed hitting first baseman, excuse me. And I've said it before. I think they're, they're good naps for each other. People want to keep ridiculing me on it, but whatever. Boston could still use Matt Carpenter – the best-case scenario in that, in that team is that Denver's have a terrible call-up and the Boston Red Sox have no other choice but to go asking for somebody.
1: All right, let's keep moving because we're running out of time. Let's go with Colton Wong. Tito. Keith.
0: Josh. Keep. I, I like what we've seen from him when, he, when he's healthy this year. He's yeah, our best second There's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm the last one who wants to get on that bus, but I have to agree with you guys. All right, uh, Luke Voigt, Tito. Sell. Josh.
0: you to got to go keep. We already lost uh, power-hitting uh, first baseman to the Braves, and I think that Luke Voigt may not be a starter in this league, but he plays a real solid first base, and he's got some pops. Can't can't beat that on the on the bench at least.
2: Interesting. <laughs> All right, let's go to. Uh, oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> I think you can just stop right. I think you just stop right there. You just disagree.
2: <laughs> okay, I'll disagree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, let's go to Jed Jericho.
2: Tito. Oh gosh, I, I, you know what? I'll say Keith, uh because of his defensive uh, outcomes. At base, have really surprised me, so I say keep.
0: Josh, I gotta go keep too. Unless this team somehow adds Donaldson, Jerko has impressed, and his contract is super friendly, given the given what he's given this team. Okay,
1: uh, Greg Garcia,
0: Tito, DFA. <laughs>
2: Agreed
1: <laughs> I, You know what I think I think we, we all have to agree with that uh, Even I have to agree with that And I like the scrappy Garcia uh, Interestingly enough The Cardinals list Jose Martinez as an infielder So let's go to him next Jose T, uh, Tito
2: I'd say you keep him Just because he can still be a valuable Fourth outfielder And, and the Cardinals could use that And Especially since I said Tommy Fiamma's Dell, So yeah uh Gosh.
0: I think you just I think you just send him back to AAA because I think over the next week or so Memphis might be needing an outfielder.
1: Oh, I see. I see we're going with uh, trading away some prospects down there. So let's say Harrison Bader. Um Tito. <laughs>
2: um yeah, I'm going to have to say you you uh if you can get the right player for him, you got to sell him. He's having way too good of a year not to be uh, not to be a trade chip, especially after you get Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, I I agree don't you so. feel
1: like he's a his his ceiling's a little closed, right? I don't think he's coming up.
2: No, I th- I think the Cardinals will call him up in September. I just think if you if you look like I said earlier in the show for O'Neal to come in as the number four prospect and the top outfield prospect above Baker and Sierra, it's it's pretty telling sign in my opinion. Okay, guys, I'm going to skip the
1: pitchers because we have about five minutes left, four minutes left. What I'd like to do is go Josh and then Tito. And Josh, just give a prediction of any potential trade partners that may be laying out their teams that is, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Start with you,
0: Josh. This this one's getting a little bit more difficult, really. Um, I have a piece coming out tomorrow about some potential trade rumors, and it's more murky to me than ever because you see new teams coming in, like potentially with the Nationals that have been rumored. They could be needing some outfield help or even some starting pitching help, which could involve the Cardinals being sellers in that stance. But then you see a team who the Cardinals have been connected to for weeks now in the Marlins now saying that they're not making any moves till the winter. So, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't there's no clear obvious ones to me at this point outside of getting uh selling to the Nationals because there's not a lot of guys on the market if the Marlins aren't going to be selling. All right, Tito? Yeah, I you know,
2: this is going to be tough. You know, yet you know just tonight uh, I wrote a piece about Lance Lynn and Luke Weaver having the same starting schedules, and I think the obvious thought here is is that if Lance Lynn goes, Luke Weaver is the obvious call-up, um, especially after Marco's Marco Gonzalez has been traded away. Um, if it if it comes kind of comes down to it, um, I would say the possible trade partners would definitely be uh, the Astros. I think they need some help. I think Lance Lynn to the Yankees is also another viable option. and something I wrote about. Um, and I think maybe, uh, maybe even uh, the Diamondbacks. I don't, they may not be done. I think they uh, might make a push for somebody if Lance Lynn is available.
1: Very interesting. I want to circle us back for one last thing, one last comment from each of you. When we went through the roster, it was pretty telling to me, and I was really excited to do that exercise because primarily each one of you said to keep our players. Does that mean then that you're saying that you would not be disappointed if the Cardinals did nothing at the trade deadline? Let's start with you, Tito.
2: Honestly, I don't think it's, it's disappointment. It's almost expectation that the Cardinals may not do anything because of all the uncertainty as Josh was saying the in and out of teams coming in uh for whatever, but it it's uh it's tough to to sit here and say, yeah, the Cardinals are definitely gonna do something. So no, I'm not I won't be disappointed. I'll just kind of sit there and say, eh,
0: it is what it is. All right. Josh? I will I I will be disappointed if they don't at the very least get some bullpen help. If they if they don't get a big bat until the offseason, that's fine with me. But if they don't at least shore up this bullpen, I'm going to be disappointed.
1: All right. Well, guys, what an outstanding podcast. I want to give a special thanks to you, Tito, for joining. A special thanks to you, Josh. A really special thanks to Nathan Grime for setting up our special guest for tonight. And along with that, really appreciate Colby joining us and giving us the Scouting Report' on Tyler O'Neill, the newest St Louis Cardinals, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Have you enjoyed this one?
0: Absolutely I always and enjoy as we it. go
1: out and as we go out, I just want to put this out there and have you guys sort of respond to it. Um, Randall Grici right now is still a St Louis Cardinal
0: so. <laughs> Hold strong, Randall. Hold strong. Yeah, no, you say it. Say it, Josh. Say it. But we should trade you. <laughs> oh, well,
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, everybody, check us out at com. Thanks for listening.
0: And we're out. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Giggle, giggle, giggle. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Another I can't great episode. You said so. I, can't I can't believe, believe I it. said it. either. I
2: can't believe it. As soon as you said it, I was like, "Nothing else matters." <laughs> it I don't
0: like day the day 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 joy day day that day I brought you. Right up. Up.
2: Nothing else matters, and I'm again. I'm gonna go back tomorrow, listen to it in the morning, and record when you say when when the question is asked. What do you do with Randall Gritchick Can you say so? And any time you any time you say something in the group, I'm just gonna put the link into that
0: recording. I just want you to pay attention when I say cell, so, the sadness in my voice. Oh, I was going to
2: comment on that. It was
1: it was your more than is, your sadness saying. means
2: nothing to me. Ugh.
0: I, well, I, I would they... like
1: for you to get make that a make that a sound bite of him saying sell, so that we can play it at the end of every podcast. <laughs> yeah,
3: sell, sell, sell.
1: <laughs> yeah, we could have it. today uh, and thanks for listening to Redbird Rant's Official Podcast. Sell, uh, and then it goes straight into Josh saying,
0: sell, <laughs> <laughs> sell. <laughs> Look, all I know is this: if, when we do trade him, I'm going to write a goodbye piece to him, and it's going to be heart wrenching. As long as you say sell at the end, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Great job, gentlemen. All
2: right,
0: yeah. Great job.
2: Thank you. See you guys.
0: Bye-bye.